Hello, friends. Welcome to Level Up with Debbie Neal. I am your host. There is nowhere I would rather be than right here, right now with you. This podcast is all about leveling up in all aspects of our lives. Thank you for being here. I am so grateful. I'm excited to be on this journey with you. Together, we are leveling up. You ready? Are you a network marketing professional? Are you looking to get crystal clear on your goals and what you have to do to achieve them? If the answer is yes, keep listening. My friends over at 90 Day Habits created a journal specifically for network marketers. It is the exact blueprint they use to reach the top 1% in their network marketing company. This 90 Day Habits journal will help you stay intentional, organized, and build habits to keep you on track toward your business goals. I use this journal. I love the creators of this journal. I love the energy around it, and I love the results it brings to my daily organization. Leaders make quick decisions. Then they make the right decision. Make the decision to commit to your business today with the 90-Day Habits Journal available at 90-90-DAYHABITS.CO, 90-DayHabits.CO, and use Level Up. 15, all capital, for 15% off your order. Hello, my Level Up family. You guys, my friends, I am extra excited to be here today. So many listeners, T, I call him T, I actually call him Little T also. And if you guys saw my son, there's absolutely nothing little about him. He's he's as bad as jacked as they come, and I still call him Little T. But I would love to know from his perspective what it looks like or what it looked like growing up in this in this house. But I'm going to start it over by just, hi, Tay, how are you? Hi, I'm Tyler Neal. I'm um, Debbie Neal's son. I've uh, been raised in an entrepreneurial household now for my entire life, as much as I remember. Um, I just graduated college. I'm now, I started a job about three months ago, so I'm working at home. little change in pace, little... Um, Interesting, interesting change up being back at home with the family again. It's been great. I've been through a lot of sports in my life. That's been all I've known. And the other side of things that I've known has just been what my mom does and what my dad does. And I see it through my eyes being in the fact that I've been around it my entire life that all you're doing and all the people like Brooke are doing and anyone else working the business is doing is just the goal is to help other people. And in the end, that helps you in both the way that you see someone improving and you see their life improve, and that's great because you're helping someone else. That also reflects back on you. Whenever you do a good deed, you open a door, you do something like that, it just feels good. So there's that other side of happiness that you get from the work. But three, when all of that happens and everything works out in line, you make someone happy, their happiness makes you happy, all of a sudden you're making more money, and that's even more happiness for your family as well. So um, I just think it's, first of all, just been a great way to grow up. It's been great having you around all the time, never having to worry about you missing an event. And quite honestly, I don't remember you missing the early ones. I know you were a lot more making more sacrifices at the beginning, I think. And you've been able to manage your time a little bit more for us as you've gotten more experience within the business. But I don't see, I've never seen the side of missing things as ever being even a slight con. I, I, I don't remember a time where I was like, oh, like, damn, she's not here. Like maybe one, maybe one game a season, 
every three years. But I mean, that's never something you remember. And um, so overall, I really, I don't have anything bad to say, only good things. And you know what, T, I think part of, I think part of that is we always communicated as a family, right? And that's going to bring us into a lot of the athlete questions because you're, you've been so committed. Like one of the things that we used to do all the time as a family is go on all the incentive trips that I earned. And you did that through high school. And then at high school, you were like, mom, I can't go. I made a commitment to a team. So I think as a family, you know, we all understood what a commitment looked like. And so maybe I could view it as you sacrificed time with us on a trip, but you sacrificed it because you were committed to something bigger than the bigger picture. So one of the things that I would love to ask you, and we'll kind of like end this portion of it, because you know I had to ask you that question, is what advice would you give to parents? Because so often our kids are our world. They're our world. I would I live for you and I would die for you. That that without even without even thinking about it. That's what it would be. And so often like, well, we don't want to do this because we love them so much. But a lot of the reasons I the reason I did why I did is because I loved you so much. And as much as my time with you is very valuable, life costs money. And I also wanted to become my best. And then I wanted to give you your best. So what advice would you give for parents who I don't like to use the word struggling, but they're kind of teetering where I do want more from my family. But I also want to be home. I don't want to give up the time. I mean, I think in the long term, looking at things from my entire lifespan, I think making sacrifices and pushing yourself to be better is always better for your family. I think that's that being great and always talking about how you want to be better and having goals, meeting goals and then setting higher ones. That's what your family needs. And that's what you're um, that's what your kids need to see because that's so contagious. I think that seeing that my entire life, seeing someone who's never satisfied will celebrate for a night and then wake up in the morning and keep working is such an important lesson to have. And is it's not only contagious, but it just, it gets, it gets intertwined into your DNA. Like it's not something that you think twice about. Yes. Our family is, I mean, we could go anywhere to mini golf to like, a swimming pool and somehow be competitive. But like above that, that's true. Um, that's true. I think just that, that constant wanting to be better, wanting to improve yourself. And sometimes that comes with the sacrifice and missing time with family. But I think that's important. It's very important. And so one of the things that I, I have loved watching you play like love and being an athlete, and having a, a winning mindset go hand in hand. So we can look, everybody can play a sport, just like everyone can build a business. But you're going to have some people that they're going to play to win. And some people are just going to play to have fun. Now, my belief is you could do both. I, I actually feel so blessed because I love what I do. So I have fun. But I love your perspective. Like some of the things that separate the top 1% from the rest. And so this could be applied to sports. It could be applied to business, but you could talk about it if you'd like in the reference of sports because you were the 1%. You are the 1%. So when I thought of things like this, which you can expand on any of them is the practice, the discipline, the focus, the competitiveness, the going the extra mile and the commitment to improve. So when you think of being the best, to become an All-American, to become a captain, to become all of those things, to lead other athletes and 
It's the same for business. What are some of the things that you think are the most important and then expand on any one of them that you want to, to become part of the 1% because this podcast is level up. Our listeners want to level up and no matter what they do, they want to separate themselves from the rest. Yeah. I mean, first up is something that people don't expect to be part of the process and don't don't want to experience it, but I truly think it's it's the most important part, and that's the struggle. I think my freshman year is a great example of struggling, failing, hopping back up, failing, and doing that multiple times, and almost getting knocked down so many times that you got to sit down for a while before you get up and kind of kind of either restart, reevaluate, take a different strategy. Um, so for me, my freshman year, I went to a school. Um, I went to Rutgers and I didn't, I didn't quite love my experience there. It was, it was so many, there were so many great things about it, but I struggled in many ways mentally and physically. Um, the adjustment to college was tough. The adjustment to division one sports was very difficult on my body, on my mentals, being around people that were bigger fish in, in a pond was also a very difficult thing to see for me being from a small town, being around people that, um, I love playing besides, but I was always, a top athlete in my town. So, um, all of those were new experiences. They were all new struggles that really made me fail at first. So I think that's the first step experiencing failure. And I think that's something a lot of people try and avoid. I think they reach a point where they are comfortable and they stay there and that never allows you the opportunity to be better. It doesn't allow you to have the, opp- have the opportunity to lead other people because you need to be the one to rise above everything. Um, you need to be well-rooted and experience everything, whether it's in the trenches or at the top, to really connect with everyone on a team or in a business. So that's number one. Number two for me, and this is like the second most important thing, is putting in the work yourself. I think I went two years in college, and I'm just referring to sports at this point because it's the most relevant at this point for me. Um two years of just really not worrying about anyone else besides me. I mean, I saw the top and I had a goal. I had my junior year. I wanted to be all American. I wanted to be a captain. And I think a lot of people look at goals like that and they, at least for a captainship, there's a lot of fake, there's a lot of fake acts that go around to try and achieve that. But I think the most important thing is to put your head down and work. I mean, I was in the weight room on my own before we had team lifts. I'd go in team lifts and do that as well. I'd be on the field doing sprints. And these are all things I did on my own. Did it bring me success? Yes, it did. But we're talking about leadership. And in terms of leadership, you can walk the walk all you want. But people are only going to follow you if you are able to help them do what you're doing as well. So I, I remember I had a coaches meeting the end of my sophomore year, and I had a great season. It was my first season at Ursinus College, which is Division Three lacrosse. So I transferred there after the pandemic, and I uh, played really well. I went to the coaches meeting. I, I thought I was set my goal straight. I was going to be a captain next year, and I played great. I didn't think there was anything, any reason to not believe in that. And I sat down, told my coaches, and they were like, "Have you ever brought?" your buddies with you to go do these extra things. And I like, I'd never even thought about that. I was like, I got everything done. Like I'm, I'm walking the walk, like I'm doing what other people should be doing. But until my junior year, I didn't realize that that's the hardest part is bringing people along with you because other people don't want to do it. 
And somehow you got to get people to go and then you got to get people to push themselves like you're pushing yourself. So my junior year, I come in, I'm like, all right, I, uh, just going to the gym is not going to be enough. Bringing one or two people is not going to be enough. I need to find a voice. I need to get people to listen to me because they respect me already, but I haven't used my voice. So I have no idea if they're going to actually respond to my voice and I have to get comfortable with that. So after putting the work in, getting that response from the coach is like, Hey, you have the respect you've put the work in and that, that applies to anything in life. I mean, you put the work in, you get to a place to where you're comfortable, you feel like you've experienced a lot of things and you could help others. And now it's about actually helping others and getting people to follow you. So pulling people into the weight room, getting people onto the field, doing independent sessions, film sessions with others to help them improve, doing one-on-ones with freshmen that come in and, and that want reps and you say, hey, you want to go and get some reps and get better? And and they really greatly appreciate that. It's little acts like that where you go out of your way to help others and you put an emphasis on showing others that you not only want to succeed yourself, but you almost care more about others reaching their potential too. So I think that's number that's the third step in, in my personal leadership path that I took. I just want to touch on that for a minute because – my friends, like, what do you hear when you, when you hear that? What do you hear? Because I, I can bring everything back to what I do for a living. Okay. And so people ask me all the time, what is it exactly that you do for a living? And I say, okay, I sell products. So th- this is going to touch into what Tyler was just talking about. I sell products. I'm always looking to recruit people to sell products, but here's the third piece. Here's the magic. The magic is developing yourself into a leader. Because when you develop yourself into a leader, you have the ability to inspire others to move. You have the ability to change countless lives. And as you grow your leadership, you directly impact the efficiency of your organization. So for Tyler, that that's the key. It's leadership. So that's why when you when you hear sports, or maybe you you hear what I do, and maybe those things are not what you do for a living, but you could take any single leadership effort, discipline, committing to excellence, no matter what you do, you can take this and apply this formula. I can remember one time earning a trip and I was with one of my top leaders and she looked at me and she said, you told me if I did this, this, and this, I would be successful. And I got here, but why aren't I there? I go, well, look around. How many people did you bring and teach how to earn this trip? She's like me. I did my part. I was excellent. I did everything you said. I go, right. But the bigger picture is inspiring other people to do what you did. So another question Tyler I'd love to ask you is that that commitment to improve because you went into your year good. You came out better. But what I see, and I know I'm a little bit biased because I'm your mom, but I analyze and I watch everything. And it's always that commitment to improve and be better because I believe when we we're always moving, we're either moving forward or we're moving backward. And so what's the value that you see on that commitment to improve? Cause it doesn't just show up on the field. It shows up in everything. Yeah. I mean, that's everything you, you could never settle. I mean, I remember, I mean, up until my last game, my senior year, there were, there were film sessions and pointers on what we needed to improve on. And I mean, my athletic career is over unfortunately. Um, so there's no more improving there uh, unless I'm playing some summer ball. But I mean, there was an, always an effort 
to improve. And there was always active self-criticism going on in film sessions and on the field. I was one of those people. So I've been around a lot of athletes that were above me and I've noticed how great they were, but I've noticed them also make bad plays in practice, do things that weren't, weren't according to plan for our offense and kind of shrug it off. I think what's, what's important too is, is letting people recognize that you care about making mistakes, even when you're performing at your best, it's important to always, and, and, that not only it's you're not just giving off the perception that that you're trying to improve, but you also have to take it on in yourself to try and be perfect at all times. Recognize perfect is impossible, but every time I'm out of practice, any time I'm in the film room, even if we're scoring a goal and it's a great play, still try and pick out different things that you need to improve on. Because at the end of the day, you want your teammates, you want your coworkers, you want your family members to always be striving to be better because when you think you're perfect, there's going to be someone else better than you out there. So it's, it's just a good habit to get in. So it's really important. So true. And that brings me to another question. How, what does it do to you when you are competing against athletes that are better than you? I know from being an athlete, I love that. I found when I competed, so I played tennis when I competed against athletes that were seated lower than me or not as good. I didn't do it intentionally, but I went in thinking, this is an easy win. And what ended up happening is I played down to them. I didn't level up because I was more cautious. I was more afraid to make a mistake. I didn't go out on that court with nothing to lose. I preferred where people were seated above me because I wanted to rise to their level of skill. And I kind of went out there saying, I've got absolutely nothing to lose. I'm not expected to win. And that's when I left absolutely nothing on the dance floor. And I believe that's when we become our best. But whether it's in sports or in business, people feel more comfortable being the biggest fish in the room or the best player on the field. And I believe when you're the best, the biggest fish in the room and the best player on the field, you're in the wrong room and you're on the wrong field and you're not going to grow from there. So what's your feelings on competing against people that are better than you? Yeah. I mean, or not as good as you. So both sides of it. Yeah. I mean, first off, I think 100% in terms of a team perspective, you play a team that is noticeably worse than you are or not as talented. And instantaneously you come with a, with a lower level of, of effort and a lower level of, uh, chemistry you come in and you don't perform as well as a team first off i mean there are guys trying to do things they don't normally do because they're feeling a little bit cocky they're thinking they're better than everyone else and teamwork goes away and everyone becomes a little bit more selfish and independent so that's first thing i think that that ends up breeding poor performance for everyone i think that in lacrosse and not that everyone everyone on this podcast will really know the rules or the game of lacrosse but turning the ball over is not a good thing. And if you looked at all our games, I'm willing to bet that any of our poor games, we probably had at least 10 more turnovers throughout the game because we were trying to do things that we don't normally do. So when we play better opponents, at least for me, playoff games, big moments. I mean, those are the, those are the reasons why you go and you practice and, and you sharpen your sword and you do what you need to do. You acquire skill sets that you haven't used yet. Those moments are the opportunities that you just die to have at all times in sports because you get to go out there and see what you got. I mean, if you come up short, hey, you walk off the field being like, I gave everything I had. If you win, 
then you know that you gave your all, you know that you put the work in and you deserved it and you could build from there. So I think, I mean, there's nothing better than playing a better opponent. There's, I mean, the opportunity for success and the opportunity to learn from failure is just way too great to like anything else more. Um, and I, that definitely applies to everything in life. And, and so my friends, we could take this, we talk about this all the time. You become a sum of the five people you hang around with the most. So we could take that and think about, let's look at, at incomes of people. You take the five people you hang around with the most. If they're all making less than you, your vision's not going to be that big. If they're making more than you, you are going to level up, right? It's not about keeping up with the Joneses. It's about becoming more and expanding into that space. You hang out with five people that all they're talking about is what they're going to do on the weekend and what drinks they're going to have with no goals and no ambition. You will be the sixth. You sit around five people that are talking about what they're going to invest in, what they're going to buy, how they're growing their business, the next promotion they're going for, dreams and goals, you will rise. You sit with five people that talk about drama versus five people that talk about vision, you're going to become the sixth. So it's the same thing. You become a sum of the people you hang around with. So you, your goal is to be around people that want to win in life because being uncomfortable is where all of the magic lies. So Ty, I'm going to switch it a little bit. You've had many coaches. I love coaching. In fact, when I would go to all of your games, number one thing is I watched my son. I just watched my son and I always loved it because he either had a black stick, different color cleats. First of all, you get to know the moves of your kid. So I, I, I could know him without seeing a number at all. So I'd watch my son, but I'd also love to watch the coaches on the sideline because I am a coach, certainly not a lacrosse coach, but I like to watch energy. I like to watch communication. I like to watch so many things. So you've had many coaches. What are the, some of the best qualities of a coach to you? Because again, you're talking about lacrosse or football, but a coach is a coach. And so what are some of the best qualities of a coach to you? First and foremost, it for sports at the beginning of the season, going over a list of standards always seems to be cheesy. But having a hardcore set of standards that we are going to follow the entire year is by far the most important and difficult thing to do as a coach. I think that my senior year especially, I had as, as a senior captain – and just as a senior in general, you have a responsibility to make sure people uphold standards. And man, is it difficult to make sure that kids always maintain a standard and you have to punish or you have to do something about a situation where standards are not held up. So a coach that's able to set standards high and make sure everyone obtains those standards is is just a great coach right away. So that's the most important thing for me. I think I think. Athletes, whether the coach is poor in other areas in terms of communication or in terms of game plan, if a coach can keep his standards at a certain point and maintain them at all times and be consistent there, he will always have the respect of, of his either his players or his coworkers or whoever it might be. So consistency is the most important thing. Really ne never letting up and, and never being satisfied as a coach is, is really important. Um, I think too is as a coach, you. I'm not even going to put game plan in the in the arena of things that are important as a coach. Um, I would say number two is obviously communication. I think a, a coach that's able to clearly communicate how he's feeling um, 
while sometimes maybe reeling back the extreme emotions at times in games or in different moments. But being able to go up to his better players, go up to his worst players and be able to connect with them very well is really important. I think that builds a really well-rounded team showing showing interest in improving the weaker players and showing interest in bringing attention to the good players and making sure that they get their attention as well in practice. Being well-rounded is crucial. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of like networking. It's kind of like just being a good human and creating true friendships as a coach and getting vulnerable with, with uh, your players. Vulnerability is another big thing. I think that a lot of coaches are very nervous to do that, and I think it makes them feel like they're looking weak amongst a team. But seeing how much your coach cares about any sort of topic or area of the game is the best way to get a team to come up together and rally. I think there are moments in games where you see a coach get into a huddle and he's screaming at the team, telling them about all the hard work they put in, how many hours he put in preparing for them, how much he cares about this moment, how much he knows that you care about this moment, just true passion, true vulnerability. That's crucial as a coach as well. So I think the three 100% it's communication, setting your standards straight, and then also just being vulnerable and being yourself at times in front of your your coworkers, your players, whoever it might be. Think of your favorite entrepreneur. They wouldn't be anywhere without trusted partners. If your commerce platform is scaring away potential customers instead of converting them into lifelong fans, you have to try Shopify. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you've created a digital product or you're selling custom merch on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you're covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. So my son, Ryan, was reselling sneakers for years. His business grew once he used Shopify to sell his products. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is truly a global force powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs, over 100 170 countries. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash level up, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash level up to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash level up. Okay. So friends, let's take that. Let's apply this to business. This is why I actually attribute my, a lot of my success to being an athlete my entire younger life, because I was able to take those things and apply it to my, not that you have to be an athlete to be successful, but let's just really talk about leadership for a moment. Standards, standards is something we talk about all the time. No matter what company you're with, no matter what business you do, same product, same company, what makes us different? Your standards and be real and your expectations. You, your team will never rise above your standards. You will never rise above your standards. And one of the things I say all the time is be really careful what you expect because you're going to get it every single time. So do you see how this translates into leadership? If you're not clear with your standards, how do you cast that vision to your team? Because my belief is the number one quality of a coach is that you can inspire a team towards one common vision. And it starts with standards. It starts with communicating. Here's where we're going. Here's how we're going to do it. 
you're reminding them of their why. And when you talk about vulnerability, it's that relationship. You'll never know how far somebody, you'll never get somebody to listen to you or respect you till you know how much they care. So when they're showing their vision and their love, you know, a business or a sport can make a lot of sense to people between the two ears. But until that sport, until that business goes from your head to your heart, nothing changes. When it goes from your head to your heart, every single thing changes. So I love hearing this perspective from an athlete, right? Because most of you are out there growing your leadership. And these are important leadership qualities, which are just so Awesome. So another one of the questions I was going to ask you, which you really kind of answered, is how important is team bonding and communicating? So you touched on the on the communicating, but I know that you guys did a lot as a team. And again, that can be connected to the professions people are in. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I mean, you can't do what you need to do on the field, in the classroom, um, in the workforce, depending on the job, of course, but especially as a team. If you don't get to know the people around you and truly care about the friendships that you have and the players that you're with, I mean, we always, before every game, we reminded each other that when we go out there, we're going to give it our all. all. And if you find yourself down on the ground, hurting, unsure if you can get up, like look to your left and there's going to be another teammate diving for the ball and giving his all too. So, I mean, that doesn't happen without true friendship. And that takes work in a lot of cases because sometimes friendship's not so easy. Sometimes bonding and getting close to people that are not alike you, that do have a different vision, have a different mindset or perspective on whether it's just a slightly more negative uh, perspective on life or radiating too much positivity. There's so many different things that a person can hold that might not quite align with you and might make it a little bit more difficult to build that friendship. And I think the moment that I really got close to everyone on my team, the moment I got comfortable to be around anyone was the moment that doing what I did was so much more fun. I think that it became effortless. I mean, building chemistry with a team, failing, failing on the field and not being embarrassed that you failed and just getting up and forgetting about it. I mean, one of the hardest things to do as a player, and I'm sure it applies to the workforce too, is making a mistake, failing and people watching it and then being able to be a goldfish. And we always said be a goldfish because a goldfish, something will happen and they just forget about it instantaneously. It's like it never happened and you just move on. And some people get so hung up on things that they failed in life about or, or they have regrets. And um, when you're so comfortable around the people that, that you have in, on your team or in work, it's, it's so much easier to realize that there's so much more going on and that you need to learn from this and just move right past it. So, yeah, team bonding is everything. It's everything. So you were a captain. And I say we're like it's the past, but you've only been out of college a few months. And so I believe that everybody's the captain of their success. You were a captain. What What is a captain's role to you? Because it is different. If people want to lead people, it is different than the average player. Not discounting the average player, but it is different. And some of the things that it involves when I think of being a leader is you're going to have to choose to do things differently. You might do things that you don't love. You might have to like not follow the crowd. You're just, it's different. If you want different results, you have to be different. So what are some of the captain's roles to you? Yeah, I mean, I think the the biggest thing that I noticed as captain, especially starting my junior year into my senior year, 
is I kind of ended up playing not I hate saying playing a role, but I I'm a very disciplined person. I would consider myself to be I try and be the most disciplined person around at all times. I, I take pride in that. And I really carry that out throughout college. So for me, my all captains kind of have a role. And mine was like, if you're looking my way, like I'm doing the right thing at all times. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very selfless situation at times to be in because you see your buddies doing something that looks like a lot of fun and you're, you just know deep down that you just can't be caught doing that. You can't be caught uh, in college, whether it's drinking on a Sunday night when you have practice on Monday or going out too late and not getting to bed early even not making my bed at, at college. I mean, I didn't want someone to walk in and see my room a mess because I, I'm just known to have my shit together and be able to hold myself up to a standard at all times. And and yes, that pushed me to do that at all times. But having that just that label on besides just being a leader on that field, it, it forces you to step up and be an example for people around you versus just looking out for others. Which brings me to habits. Uh, I swear I'm only going to ask you like two more questions and I could chat forever. But you're one of the things I, he's my son, you guys, and I love every single thing about this human. But I never walked into his college dorm once in all four years he was in college and saw one thing out of place. I wish I could say the same thing about me was not the case. And so I'm a really big believer in you are a sum of your habits. Your success is a result of your habits. I'm also a big advocate, you guys know, of making your bed. And I have to say, when Tyler makes his bed, it looks like he's in the army. Like, it's just incredible. So Tyler, like, how do you connect your habits and what are some of your habits that the, you think make a difference in your performance? How are habits and performance connected? I would consider myself to be a person who likes to look out and see, number one, no clutter. I can't, clutter stresses me out. So the first way I eliminate all that is I make my bed every morning, my room spotless. So when I go in there, I there's zero stress. That's one habit. That's not really... I would say that's just something that I've done over the years. So now when I don't do it, like I'm like, oh my gosh, my day's ruined. Like I didn't start correctly. Um, but it's one of those things you do a thousand times and it's just like, you just have to do it. So that's one. I think the biggest thing, and I kind of wanted to bring this up and I'm happy you started talking about habits because I wanted to discuss it before I left, was nutrition. Nutrition is 100% the biggest habit and the best thing that I ever started to pick up. In terms of athletics, and I'm still big into running and lifting and doing all these different things that maximize my health and try and put me in the best possible um, state in terms of my body. And um, back when I was a freshman, when I said I was sacrificing a lot to try and fit in and figure things out, and I failed, one thing I picked up was a 30-day program when I was a freshman. That was the first time where I ever, in all my years of athletics, even considered what I put in my body. I mean, I remember being out of practice late at night on, in the fall, my freshman year, eating like lo mein and mac and cheese, not thinking twice about how that probably wouldn't be the best idea with practice again at 5 a.m. It just it didn't even cross my mind. And I wondered why I would wake up feeling groggy. It didn't make sense. I didn't know how any foods responded to my body. I didn't know what protein was or carbohydrates were. I didn't know anything about it. So I, I did the 30 day program. I lost probably 10 pounds. Um, 
which most people will do if they don't know how they eat and they're probably overeating and then all of a sudden they pay critical attention to it. And ever since, and this is an extreme way of going about it, but it works for me, is I've tracked almost everything I've eaten over the years. Um, and I think while that does seem extreme, there are two big benefits that I found from it. And I feel that anyone who's looking for some sort of way to just get into a rhythm in life and uh, just know their body, which is so important to find success anywhere. And the biggest thing it's done for me is number one, I know how different foods react to my body. And that's so important because if I'm going out and I'm eating with family, if I'm doing anything or I have, I, if I even have work the next day, I know what I need to eat in order to feel better in the morning, in order to maximize my output and to perform at my best. And that's very good physically for your body because you will feel good when you're out there. But one thing I didn't understand until the 30-day program and until I cut out sugars and until I cut out all of that stuff, that, that crap that messes with your body, is that mentally you are so much more clear. Your sleep improves. Everything about your life improves when you know what you're putting in your body and when you figure out what's good to put in your body. So as I tracked, I figured out whether carbs or fats or protein, what reacted best to my body through trial and error. And you don't have to go down that whole path, but just eating healthier, cleaning up your diet, improving your mentals and improving your sleep will improve your life in general and improve your performance. Now, here's the thing, you guys, and that's a whole separate thing, but if you do want to learn more about the 30 Days to Healthy Living, you can contact me, but at the end, I'm also going to tell you where you can contact Tyler because this is not something he does full time, but you can actually buy the 30 days to healthy living through him. That's one thing that I love about what I do. You doesn't have to be your profession, but when you actually live a healthy lifestyle, it's just, it's very natural to share it with other people. So two, two things I just want to touch on really quick is one, we talked about the habit of making your bed. But how has reading, because I know really reading personal growth for you started much earlier than the average child. Again, I think it's growing up with parents who do personal growth. What's the level of, you know, you think personal growth has added to your life, whether it be podcasts, whether it be books, whether it be meditation, journaling, all of those things, I think are the key, the key. I think our, our level of success and leadership is a direct reflection of our level of personal growth and self-development. But at your age, at your age, I didn't have any of it. I was competitive and driven. I had that going for me, but I absolutely had no personal growth in my life. And our goal as parents is to, when we know better, we do better. And we teach our kids to do better and to have our kids outperform us at a younger age. So what value has that brought to your life? Oh, so much. I mean, I think the biggest thing is just perspective. Um, I think that reading those kind of books, listening to podcasts, which is more of my speed, I I like reading, but I love while well, I'm going on a run or I'm working out, I love plugging in a podcast and just letting it run and, and listen to moments when I can. I think that perspective is the biggest thing. Being my age, being 19, 20, 21, 22, this big adjustment into the real world or getting first into college, like having a perspective that what you're going through is okay, that you're not you're not going through something abnormal that you're going to be able to see the light at some point, or now you are seeing the light. Here's the next steps to take. Having some sort of path or directions really important and so helpful. I remember moments when I was struggling a bit my sophomore, junior year. So drowning in books, drowning in lacrosse practice and reading each morning was a great way. I read the secret probably twice or three times while I was at school. 
just reading that and, and being more grateful for moments and, and just finding gratitude and things that you don't normally see just eased a lot of stress up and made me realize that what I'm doing is going to work out and, and, um, just gave me some sort of direction. So yeah, those are, those are really crucial. And I think there's no reason everyone shouldn't do that in some sort of moderation. When we know better, we do better. Like when I, you guys, the first personal growth book I read was The Secret. Many of you know that, so you could tell he is my son. But I, I, I love those books so much. So Tyler, this is the last question I'm going to ask you. And I'd say you are awesome today. I learn from you every single day. And you guys, I'm pretty pumped. I'm sad that my babies are going off to college. But seeing that I'm now living with the most disciplined human being on earth, we're joining a gym together and I'm going to go to the gym with him at 5.30 in the morning. And you guys know that if I tell him I'm doing that, I live up to my word and he's going to make sure he drags me there. So I'm pretty pumped about that. So Tyler, what is the best piece of advice to give someone who just wants to become their best? They want to level up. They want to improve. They want to take that next step. What is the best piece of advice you want to leave our listeners with today? I've been grateful to have a group of people around me that want me to succeed and will sacrifice for me. Number one, surround yourself with the right people. Um, at school, I made sure I was around people that were looking to grow just like I was, looking to improve. Once you have that group of people around you, put your head down and work your ass off. I'm obviously learning about that in the real world. So a lot of the listeners right now are probably um, listening to my perspective in a different light because I'm just talking about sports. But I found the most success in my life when I put my head down for a year and a half and stood up and realized that I was starting to get close to the top of the mountain. So surround yourself with good people, like everyone always says, and then two, work your ass off because putting in work and and sweating out some hard hours in the weight room or uh, in the books is always going to pay off. Tyler, that was awesome. So where, you guys, where can, if you want to follow Tyler, maybe we'll get him to post more on social media, but Tyler, where can our listeners find you if they want to follow you? Yeah, I'm really only active on Instagram, mm -hmm. um, but I have a Facebook as well. Tyler underscore underscore Neil is uh, my Instagram handle. So We'll see. Maybe I'll get Amazing. more. And where are you? Are you on LinkedIn? I am on LinkedIn. That's Tyler Neal on LinkedIn. Just, yeah. Okay. Amazing. So listeners, I hope you found the value in this. I, my greatest accolade that I have is mom. The greatest job I'll ever have is mothering my four children and they make me proud and they inspire me to be more every single day. I am because we are. So this just brought me so much love and joy. Thank you, Tyler. I love you. And thank you for serving our listeners today. Bye, everybody.